What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy. And I am Gia Casey. And this is another edition of the Casey Crew. Welcome. Now, um, we missed you guys last week. Yes. We had so much running around to do. Last week was Powerhouse Week. Yep. So we had to prepare for Powerhouse, which was an amazing show. Shout out to everybody that came out to Powerhouse. Um, they gave me my own set this this year. Yes. And I was able to uh, get a bunch of artists to come out on my set. Busta Rhymes, uh, ASAP Ferg, Casanova, and T Grizzly. Mm-hmm. So we had a great set, a great time. It was just a great night. So shout out to everybody we ran into. And shout out to everybody that uh, gave me so much support. Yeah. It was definitely, definitely, definitely great. Uh, another thing that that went happened was, um, and this is where I'll use President Trump's term. Uh, there was a story that was released, fake news, <laughs> that I like. Uh, You're so vicious. I know that I like nine and a half inch <laughs> dildos in my butt. <laughs> now you've known me for over twenty years. <laughs> Have I ever put a dildo near my butt? Do we really need to clear anything up? Are you serious? I'm, look, Are you really taking this opportunity to try to clear something up? No. I, you I, think this situation needs clarification? I thought it was funny. <laughs> now, maybe if they just said four inch dildo, I'd have been like, oh, okay. But nine no, and a half you, inch dildo. The story has you going for the gusto. Nine and a half inch dildo <laughs> in my butt. I mean, I think we laughed about that and laughed about that and laughed about that. But but it did come to a point where you weren't laughing anymore. I was still laughing and then you weren't laughing. You were like, enough's enough. Ah, enough's enough. All right. Enough with the dildo jokes. All right. Mm-hmm. Goodness gracious. But um, yeah, I, I don't I don't like nine and a half inch. Did dildos. you really need to say that, Rashawn? In my no. But I just wanted to say that. All right. You, you sound crazy. Like, why would, why would you even address that? All right. Um, but it was a big story and you were trending. Yeah, I was trending for a while, like for seven, eight hours. And the, <laughs> and the funny thing about it is what people don't know about our relationship, no matter what goes on or what happens, we always tell each other everything. Mm-hmm. So when when Gia heard about the story, we already knew that this person was trying to put this thing out here for weeks in advance and months beforehand. So we would just we just laughed about it. And, you know, it, it's it's a joke. Every time there's a, a situation in the house it was like you like nine and a half don't you <laughs> everything was a nine and a half Everything, reference. everything's a nine and a half <laughs> but it was it was a cute little joke it was it was good it it, it boosts my uh my my followers up and my ratings up i guess oh did it no i didn't but i just thought it was funny yeah it was it was a it was a little comical to me gave me a little comic relief in the house for Abs- a week absolutely yeah and then uh we were at hampton homecoming that's where we left off that's the last time we taped we were in hampton university's homecoming right in the hotel in the hotel and mm-hmm. we had an amazing time out there yes not o- not only was it just fun and, and we did a lot of the cool fun things you know partying and just going to some of the restaurants in virginia beach the, the dopest thing about it to me was I got to talk to a lot of students, communication students, students that wanted to get into radio, students that wanted to get into business management and marketing because that's what my major was. And just tell them what my what I did to get in position, you know, mm-hmm. and that was one of the, the best things for me for going back to Hampton University this year. Just being able to talk to the students and them really getting to see what we were doing. Now, you got a chance to talk to uh, some of the girls, right? Yes, that was such a great experience. Mm -hmm. Um, We were out on the yard and you were doing some type of what was that exactly that you were doing? Uh, We did a photo shoot for uh, Nissan and Fader magazine where it was just like 
going back to college and they documented everything. They documented the parties and, you know, when I went to the new student union and I went to my old dorm and we even went to, um, what else did we go to? We did the, the block party. We did a lot of those things and just got to walk around and even go to the radio station. They just wanted to document DJ Envy going back to his campus, going back to his school. Mm-hmm. So there were some girls out there that approached me. And while you were working, I had the opportunity to sit and talk to them. And we just had like a little girl talk session. It was about maybe eight or nine girls, I think. Uh-huh. And they were telling me about what college life is like right now, what campus life is like right now, what the students are into. Mm-hmm. I was kind of comparing and contrasting how things are now versus how they were when we were in college. Okay. You know, I wanted to know, well, do the students drink? Mm-hmm. You know, are the students doing any drugs? Right. What are parties like? What are your relationships like? Are the students, are more students on campus or off campus? Mm-hmm. And pretty much what a day in the life of a student is for my own personal curiosity, but also, you know, we're going to start the process of preparing to send a kid to college. Madison is a sophomore in high school right now. And in two years, she's going to be a college student. So I kind of wanted to have my finger on the pulse, not just through what I could make sense of, but through the mouths of students that are going through it. And you know something, there was um, one student that I spoke to, her name is Kayla Daniel, Uh and she listens to the podcast, and um, it was very nice to meet her and to talk to her and kind of pick her brain a little bit. So thank you, Kayla. I hope you're listening. Right. And thank you to the the entire group of girls for sharing and, you know, taking time to... um, to allow me to get inside your minds. Right. You know, and, and one thing that was cool about me going back to school, and this is strange because people are like, really? I never met the president of my school. This was never. You never met President never, Harvey. I never met President Harvey before. Oh, wow. So uh, Gia and I were actually on the field taking pictures with the, the cheerleading team and the band. Like the drill team. The drill the team. Band. And the uh, president was watching from his box, you know, they, during the homecoming football game and invited us up there. We got a chance to talk and just, just hey, yeah, how's he invited us, invited us up to his box and right. we had a chance to go up there and meet him, shake mm-hmm. hands and and um, watch part of the game with him. And it was pretty cool because, like I said, I, I knew his daughter. His daughter went to college. She was a couple of years behind me. But he's a self-made millionaire. He owned a Coca-Cola bottling company and uh, handled a lot of the, the Coca-Cola, I, I would guess, distribution in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And it made him a millionaire. And he was a well, pres- he's a businessman, hands oh, down. Oh, yeah, he's a businessman, hands down. Right. He's somebody I, I would definitely love to continue to pick his brain because just what he does and, and what he does in real estate and what he did in Virginia and distribution was just amazing. So it's it's great talking to a man that's been friends with every president that's been, that's been in office except for Trump because I asked him. Oh, mm-hmm. And uh, just, just what I he's heard done. That about him. And mm-hmm. just what he's done was just like, you know, I would love to pick his brain. So that was great. And I know his daughter listens all the time. So, hey, what's up? Um, and I just had a great experience. It was a great experience going back to Virginia this time. We And we actually stayed there for like five days. Usually we're there in and out. So we, we had a great time. And I tell her, I told him next time we'll bring Madison and let her experience the campus. Right. She might be able to do a shadowing day that Correct. isn't part of, you know, the college tour. Because mm-hmm. usually when a kid is going to college, you know, the parents will arrange a college tour where they visit all of the colleges that they're interested in going to. Correct. So that, you know, you don't you don't just go off of 
what school has the best academics or which school has the best sports. Mm -hmm. You also need a feel for the college. You need to go, you need to spend a day there or two or three and really see what the college is all about and see how it makes you feel. Kind of like... um, this is a weird comparison, but kind of like decorating a house. Whenever I have a friend that moves into a new apartment or decorates a house, one of the first things that I tell them is don't just run out and buy furniture. Mm-hmm. You know, don't Google furniture or look through magazines and say, oh, this looks pretty. Because it's not really about what looks the best mm-hmm. or what appeals to your senses as far as, you know, I like this color, I like this shape and whatnot. It's not just about that. I say, get into the apartment, get into the house and, you know, maybe spend a month there, like bring in some of your old furniture, just bring some chairs, bring some things that you can utilize and get a feel for your house. Because it's not just about how things look, it's about how they make you feel. Also, I guess, kind of like people, right? that's true. So um, when it comes to colleges, kids have to get a sense of how the city that the college is in makes them feel. Correct. How the campus, how maybe the vibe of the other students makes them feel. And that goes hand in hand with the overall decision right. of where they choose to go to. So it's next time I think that'd be best to have her stay on campus a couple of days and just really experience everything so she can say, I like this, I don't like this. And I just know at Hampton, I just know my eyes are always on her because there's so many people that I know that work there, that live there, that will always be keeping an eye on my baby girl. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I wouldn't be mad and I would kind of be happy if she if she went to Hampton. Really? Why is that? Um, I had a, a, a great time when I went to Hampton. I thought it was a great school, not just for academics, just for meeting people. I tell everybody all the time that if it wasn't for Hampton University, that I don't think I would be as good as I am as a DJ. And the reason I say that is because I'm from New York. So when I started DJing, I was playing New York music. But Hampton opened me up where, you know, I had a roommate from Jersey that introduced me to Jersey music. You know, I had a roommate from Louisiana, Mississippi that introduced me to that type of music. I had roommates from Atlanta that opened me up to those type of music. And I think if they didn't open me up to Atlanta sound and Mississippi sound and New Orleans sound, Louisiana sound and Jersey sound. You might have been confined to like a New York DJ. DJ. There are some DJs that really just play for what they know and where they're from. And back then that opened me up to the point where I could do so much where I just wasn't playing in New York. I was getting booked everywhere. And I think if it wasn't for that college experience, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been able to do that. So That's one reason why I I just love Hampton. And I think Madison, just learning different places, coaches from different people and different slang and how people talk here and dress here and what they do here and what they do there. It would be a great experience. And I feel comfortable and safe with Hampton University because it's all gated in. You know where she's at. They're very protective of the students. There's a curfew. You're not allowed to bring your car at first. Like it's, it's very protected to the students. So I think I wouldn't be mad if she attended Hampton University. Okay. That sounds good. Now, one thing, um, you know, we talk about everything on this podcast, but one thing that really impressed me when we were coming back from Hampton. Now, if you know Gia, she has an extensive wardrobe and um, we took a picture and we took a picture and you were wearing some tights and the tights that you were wearing, I guess a girl seen you wearing the tights and ran to the store to buy the tights. 
Mm-hmm. And what impressed me was, of, of course, like if you don't know Gia, Gia is the type of person that she'll buy something and not wear it for five years, <laughs> like not wear it for five years. And that's what she did. And the girl ran to the store to buy the tights and uh, the salesperson called you. I guess you called the salesperson to, to find if they had something in your size. And she was like, hey, Gia, you want to know something funny? A girl called here looking for the tights you wore the other night. And you were like, really? You were like, well, what size is she? Is she my size? And you was like, yeah, you was like, well, I actually have two pairs of that same tight. Tell her I'll send it to her. And you and the lady was like, OK, how much do you want to charge? You was like, no, I'll send it to her for free. You said she listened to the podcast. She came to the live show. Tell her I will send her those tights for free. See, when, you're, when, you're, when you're in the car with me and acting like you're not paying attention to my conversation, but you really are. I listen to everything. <laughs> But I, I thought that was dope. You know, the fact that you gave somebody that a listener that supports you and, and came to the live show a pair of tights that she would never be able to find because they were five years old. They weren't five years old. They might have been like three years old. OK. Yeah. But the fact that you said that, I thought that was pretty dope. Do you know her name? Do you remember her name? Um, I don't know her name. Well, first of all, shout out to Erica from my store. Um, What's her I name? Melissa? It might have been. I would have to I would have to check. I don't I don't remember She's her name. Spanish because I know it's a Spanish last name. It was a Spanish last name, so I'm sure that the girl is Spanish, but well, really what happened was pretty much like what you said. Um I called looking for new mer- Hold on. You got to fix your mic, baby. Well, let me explain to the people what's going on with the mic while you're fixing it. Uh is I that left Yes, yeah, way better. I left the piece at the hotel in Virginia. <laughs> So we actually still have to hold the mics in our hand because the piece that connects to the stands is a little crazy. Push it in a little bit. Push it in a little bit. This is how you know it's live. There you go. There you go. Get, there you go. All that right. better? That's perfect. Now go ahead. Okay. Um, so I was looking for um, new merchandise and you're right. I called to see if they had it in my size. And my, my salesperson, her name is Erica. She said, oh, you know, it's so funny. You must have posted a picture of a pair of our tights. And, you know, we had some girls that came in looking for the tights. And there was one in particular that says that that said that she listened to the podcast mm-hmm. and, you know, she's a fan or whatever. And um, she was looking for the Maryland tights. And I said, oh, my gosh, I bought them so long ago. I said, you wouldn't have anything in back stock. She said, no, we've been sold out of those forever. And I said, OK. I said, well, let me ask you a question. Was she like maybe comparable in size to me? Do you think she could wear the same size tight? And she said, yeah, I think so. Why? And I said, well, because what I, and this is what I do. Whenever I buy a pair of tights, I always buy two. Right. Because tights are very finicky. You know, you can be wearing them and your jewelry can snag them. Your nail can snag them. And I would hate to have a pair of tights that I adore and they get ruined. So I have a backup pair for every single pair of tights Mm -hmm. that I own. So I wore those and I said, well, you know, I have a backup pair to those tights. And she said, yeah, as you do with everything. And I said, well, by any chance did she happen to give you her information? Mm -hmm. And she said, she did. She left me her name and her address and everything. I said, well, call her and see if she would be interested in me sending her the tights. And she said, well, you know, what would you want in return? I said, no, I will, I'll gift them to her. So it's okay for you to give me her address. I'll just send it to her as a gift. And she said, I think she would love that, but I'll call just to make sure. And then she called me back and said, she was so excited. She was so happy. You know, something 
Can I look up her name? Because I'd like to. Nope. Because if you move, it's going to be static. Oh. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll shout her out the next podcast. Okay. Well, they're, they'll be on their way. I'm going to put it in the mail for you tomorrow. Okay. But, you know, people always ask me, you know, what impressed me or, or what attracted me to you? And besides your, your looks and your big titties, awesome. it was it was the fact that you, you have a <laughs> a great heart and a great hustle. And a great that, hustle. I'm explaining because I was talking to one of your friends earlier and, and people don't know how much of a hustler that you were that I actually kind of made you retire your hustler jersey. <laughs> and, and I'm going to tell you a story, right? What? Wait, wait, wait. A hustler story? Yeah, you a hustler have a, story. No, I don't think you have a hustler story. Now, if you know me, I always talk about how we worked at uh, telemarketing. You didn't tell that story on the podcast. I always tell I always tell it on air about how I worked at, at a, we worked at a telemarketing and you know we sold Pelco fuel, right? And home heating fuel and and you worked there at first and at first you sucked. No. Yes, they were going to fire you at first. That's not true. Yes, they were. Rashawn, that's not true. Let me tell. Why? My story. Hold on, hold on. Wait, let's just stop for a second. What are you? Why would they? Have, what are you talking about? Let me tell my story first. Well, just tell me about that. I'm gonna tell you. You weren't good at first. Yes, I was. All right, let me tell my story. You weren't good at first. And I remember them pulling you in the office and saying something to you about you. And then all of a sudden you switched up and then you became one of the best there. Why? I remember them pulling me into the office. Do you remember why? It wasn't because, no, it wasn't because I sucked. It was because of something. No, you did. They, they were about to fire you. They were and about how, to, what? They came out and told you that they were about to fire me? They pulled me in the office too. They remember? <laughs> no. Yes. They pulled me into the office and it's like, hey, we're having a problem with gear. Uh, we're about to let her go. If we let her go, will you not work here I, anymore? You know something? Wait, I remember and that. And I asked them to give you another chance and they but gave wait, you another chance. But wait, it wasn't because I sucked. It was something specific. I don't remember what it was. It couldn't have been because I was late because I was going in with you. You were driving me there every right. day. I don't know what it was, but they gave you an opportunity and you became one of the best salespeople there. But that's not the story I want to talk I about. I know that's not the story, but I'm trying to remember why. Don't worry about it. It's not important. Huh. You sucked. But, no, it wasn't because I sucked. But because, you don't remember. You sucked. No, you know how I know it wasn't because I sucked? It, because I remember my first check because we worked partially on commission. We got we had an hourly wage. Right. And we worked on commission. And my first check was great. Because well, I remember going home with my first check and being very happy about it. So it couldn't have been because of that. It, uh, it had to have been because of something else. Anyway, we'll go ahead. We'll just say because you sucked. But anyway. Awesome. So, you know, when we got out of college... We was trying to figure out, you know, you didn't know what you wanted to do. And I well, was, I knew what I wanted to do, but I just wasn't happy with the salaries right. that were in my field. So then you came up with some, I don't even know how you came, I don't even know how this happened, but you started selling mattresses. Oh, this is where we're going. Yes. <laughs> now, right now, I'm, I know you're thinking, Gia was going door to door. Uh-huh. Selling mattresses. Uh-huh. Now, when I say Craft-matic. door to door, when I say door to door, I don't mean going to nice suburbia areas. I don't mean going to like, you know, where the big houses are, the big picket fences. Mm-hmm. Gia was in the hood pushing mattresses like it was <laughs> crap. pushing mattresses. <laughs> Am I lying? Um... You're misrepresenting the story slightly. Did you or did you not go to the hood pushing mattresses? I was definitely in the hood pushing mattresses. Not physically pushing mattresses, but selling (laughs) 
mattresses. You make it, for people that might not understand, they might think that I might have had a mattress in the car no, no, or tied to no, the hood, you the SUV. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, but tell the people, what, well, first of all, how did you start working at Craftmatic? Like, how did they lure you in? Okay. Um, well, I was in a jewelry store one day and I was looking for a pair of earrings. And there was a woman there who was shopping as well and she struck up a conversation with me. Mm-hmm. And... Towards the end of the conversation that had nothing to do with business, she offered me a job. She said, I think that you would. Well, first she asked me if I was looking for a job and if I would be interested in something that could make me a lot of money. And I said, well, exactly what are you talking about? And then she began to tell me and she said, can you come in for a meeting? Not really an interview, but for a meeting so that I can explain to you what all is entailed. And it sounded a, it sounded a little off. It sounded like something I wouldn't have been interested in. Right. But I, I was what, 20, 20, 20, 21, 20. No, I was 20. I was 20. 20. OK. Yeah, I was 20. No, 21. I was 21. Um, I was 21. And I said, well, you know, if this is an opportunity that can be lucrative, let me, you know, at least give it a little bit of attention and see if it's something I'd be interested in. So I took the meeting with her and the meeting was for Craftmatic mattresses. Now, Stop I, moving your hand. You're moving your hand. Sorry. Too. There you go. Um, so I don't know how many people out there remember Craftmatic mattresses, but those were the mattresses that you could adjust. They were adjustable beds. So you can lift the back, you can lift the feet, you can have it vibrate. I don't remember. You might've been able to heat the bed, Uh but it was very therapeutic for people that had back injuries or, you know, things of that sort. Older people that might've needed help getting out of bed, et cetera. So anyway, I took the meeting and basically I would have been working as an independent contractor. Mm -hmm. So Craftmatic... They didn't have any stores. All of their business was done through independent contractors such as myself that would basically go to people's homes and sell them the mattress, explain the product, explain the benefits, do demonstrations, etc., and basically convince them to purchase the bed. And then based on that, you get a commission. Now, how much were these mattresses? The mattresses were hella expensive. I mean, these mattresses, from what I remember, they went anywhere from maybe $2,000 to $10,000. And because the company didn't have any stores, there was no overhead, which meant that they were able to pay their independent contractors a premium commission for selling these mattresses. And that's pretty much what sold me on the job. When she told me the percentage of the commissions, I was like, you know what? I can try this out. Right. So what would happen would be like how when we telemarketed, what did we do? As telemarketers selling fuel, Mm -hmm. home heating fuel, we made cold calls and we would just, you know, call random people that were on a list that probably didn't want to be called. Right. And talk them into making an appointment with a fuel sales representative and they would make that appointment and then an independent contractor would go out and try to sell them into switching their fuel service. Correct. Mm-hmm. So for Craftmatic, they pretty much had the same thing. They had people making cold calls that 
were geared towards setting up appointments for independent contractors to go out and sell mattresses. So I wasn't going door to door knocking on, you know, disturbing people at their homes saying, want to buy a mattress? Want to buy a mattress? Want to buy a mattress? No. These appointments were preset. So I think the night before, I would get a phone call and it would give me three addresses. And those three addresses would be my three appointments for the following day. So I might have an appointment at 10 o'clock, at 2 o'clock, and then maybe another one at 6. Correct. One could be a mansion in Long Island and one could be an apartment in the projects. So I had no idea where I was going. And imagine how difficult it was. This was before navigation. Mm. Like I literally had a map in my glove compartment, you know, so I would fill up my tank and then I would just head off to who knows where, knock on the door and meet somebody that was already expecting me and then sit there and do my demonstration demonstration and hopefully sell a mattress. And my closing rate was like 70%. Mm-hmm. So my checks were incredible. Now, could you imagine, guys? Now, this is before Christian Louboutin was, was very popular. What does this have to do with shoes? I'm going to tell you. Gia would be walking with her pumps all dressed up in the projects, in the pissy hallways, in the pissy staircases, <laughs> selling, sh- selling mattresses, uh-huh. and then driving to mansions and selling mattresses. Little old gear, right? Uh-huh. And she was making bank. She was making a lot of money. Now, at the time, I was DJing, and I wasn't, I was doing okay, but she was making bread, like making a lot of money. She was making more money than me, <laughs> you know? And the only thing that stopped us from doing it, and, and, and you could continue, because I hated the fact that you did it, because you yeah. were going, you know, we don't, you don't know who you mean. You know, you- It was dangerous. You were going into people's houses. You were going into the projects. It was late at night. It was very, very scary. And the only thing that stopped us is we got married and and you became pregnant. Right. Right. And that was the only thing that actually stopped us from or stopped you from doing it because you were making like close to two fifty three hundred thousand dollars a year at that time. I don't know, but I was making a lot of money. That was a lot of money back then. And you were 21 years old. It's a lot of money old. now. It's a lot of money Let's back be clear. Then. It's a lot of money a now. A lot of money now. Right. But you were making a lot of money at 21. And the first thing you did is what? I bought an Escalade. You bought a car. <laughs> she bought a car. She took that money and bought a brand new Escalade. She was the first person in New York City with a 2002 Escalade. She gave the salesperson how much money? $3,000. $3,000 under the table so she can have the first car and I drove that bitch like it was mine. You sure as shit did. <laughs> but um, that that body, that Escalade, it wasn't the first Escalade. It was the first, it was actually the first one that was released in New York that I got my hands on. Right. And what was special about it was that year was when they changed the body. Correct. So it went from one very distinct style to a completely new style. A lot of times when, you know, they change the style of a car, they might just change the lights or the grill. But I was so obsessed with that truck because they changed the entire body. So it looked like a whole new truck. And I remember when you drove it, you came home and you were like, people were taking pictures. People were asking me to pull over to ask me what kind of car it was. They didn't even know it was an Escalade. Yeah. I was like, yeah, buddy. But what felt so good was that I bought that truck, you know, through blood, sweat and tears. Yeah, you, you know, like I worked my ass off right. no, to buy that truck. No, you absolutely did. You know, and um, you know what? stands out the most to me about that time and about that job more than anything. What's that? Well, first of all, it was very dangerous. 
it was very dangerous. I was a young girl and I would knock on a door and I never knew what was waiting on the other side of the door. Correct. And you know something, there's some stories I never even told you because I didn't want you to worry about me, Mm -hmm. but I did find myself in three, three peculiar situations Mm. and um, one that stands out to me crazy where you know when the guy went to the kitchen I grabbed my stuff and I literally ran out the door and I remember while I was running to the door I the thought in my mind was I'm nervous about not being able to get the door open fast enough wow because he was making advances he was making very he was saying inappropriate things. He was getting very uncomfortably close. Mm. And the things that he was he was saying had me very, very worried. Really? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was. I was actually very scared, mm. you know, in that situation. And then there were two other situations that weren't as heavy as that. But I could tell that um, there was potential for it to go wrong. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I might have told you about one. I, yeah, I think I told you about one, but I didn't tell you about the one that I'm referring to and I didn't tell you about the other, I remember. So anyway, um, I came home and I told my mom about about those three mm-hmm. and I told her I was thinking about you know quitting because of that and my mom started going on all of my appointments with me. So, well, not all, but all of them from the point that she would get off of work. So she would get home at five. So if I had an appointment at six or seven. Mom was going right with you. She came with me. Absolutely. So she would literally walk in as though she were another representative. Mm. And she would sit there and I would tell them that she's training. Ah, okay. And she would watch me do my entire spiel and don't let me have closed an appointment. Don't let me have sold a mattress because my mom, we would be walking out. She'd be like, you sold the hell out of that mattress. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like your mom too. Yes. I mean, my mom was a type. It didn't matter what I did. She acted like it was the greatest thing in the world. You want to talk about like a supporter, mm-hmm. a cheerleader, someone that has your back. I really think that that's, my clear, clean cut example for having someone's back and for loyalty. Absolutely. My mother, as an example of that, I mean, not to say that I could, well, aside from you mm-hmm. and, you know, having problems with you, I could do no wrong in my mom's eyes. Absolutely. You know, if I were a gas station attendant, if I were mopping hallways, my mom would be like, you and that mop. I tell you, you know, like she just she always made me feel so good about anything that I was doing or anything that I aspired to do. She always gave me the confidence and the support. And in this situation, she gave me the support physically like she would go and be there with me. Gotcha. You know, and there was another time where I was um, walking through a not so nice neighborhood and there was um a laser beam that was following me. And I think it might've just been some kids having fun with me, playing around with me. Um, And, you know, I would see like the laser beam on the floor, like the red dot on the floor. And I would move to the left and it would follow me. I'd move to the right. But things like that made me scared. You know, it made me nervous. And my mom said, you will, if you know, once I get off of work, you will not go on another appointment without me. And she was there for every single appointment and not for nothing most parents wouldn't do that. Right, no, that's They'd be like, well, you just need to quit. Right. 
but not her. That's right. Well, shout out to Mama Norma. Yeah. You know, and um, I just wanted to tell people some of the hustle because people automatically, they see, sometimes they see the promised land, but don't see the struggle to get there and what we did and how we, you know, did what we did to create our family and, and to create our nest and to do the things that we had. And I just wanted to, you know, to, to give them that because nobody would have ever thought in a million years that you would go door to door selling mattresses. Why? Why do you think nobody would think that? Um, I think they, they would feel like you're too proper, too pristine, too, you know, bougie that you would never do that. You, me bougie. Yeah. I think people would think that sometimes I you think maybe someone that never had a conversation with me. No, that's true. I mean, right? sometimes people judge you from, you know, things that they see, whether it's an Instagram page, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, whatever, something they see online or TV or something like that. That's how people usually judge you. They don't judge you basically on, on what they know from you because they don't know you, you know. Mm. So if they see you post a picture of your shoes and your jewelry, they'd be like, oh, that's all she's about. You know, they, they don't see that part of it. So that's why I'm glad to tell those those stories sometimes when people really get a, a feeling of, of who Gia is. Yeah, I don't think anyone that's ever met me no, or no, no, spoken no, no. to me ever called me bougie. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. Well, you, you know you know what else I wanted to change again? You know what I wanted to talk about today, too? What's that? And this is not planned. Um, we're going to have a family meeting hmm? after this uh, podcast. Okay. All right. Now, uh, we're going to have a family meeting. Mm-hmm. And the reason we're going to have a family meeting is because why? <laughs> I mean, for a lot of reasons. No, the main reason. Okay. You're right. This isn't planned. Okay. So the other day I was laying around and um, talking to my kids. So Mm -hmm. they grabbed some snacks and they climbed up in the bed and we were talking about all types of things. And, you know, that included school and their social life and um, things that we have coming up and whatnot. And then we started to talk about you. Uh huh. And the kids basically, and they didn't have a conversation amongst themselves before this joint conversation, but they both seemed to share the same thought that they feel as though you don't like to spend time with them Mm. that you don't how do I put it because I don't want to misrepresent their words okay but they feel as though they're missing out on bonding with you Mm. and they they feel as though maybe you try to make it up to them in other ways but I think that they feel as though you're too busy for them Mm. and They'd like to bond with you more. They would, okay. they, they'd like to feel you more. Right. Well, this- and, and, and I think for you, it's difficult to see that. And you know, it's funny because when they told me that I was shocked, mm-hmm. I was blown away because we have so much fun and we talk so much, right. but I think that we do that all together. So I don't think that they miss out on it from a family perspective. I think they miss out on it from a you and them perspective specifically between you and each one of them individually okay well well this is this is my response where i'm not there to pick up the slack now my response to that is this now the kids are at ages right now where i feel like there are many adults meaning logan's 13 madison's 16 and there's certain things that i expect from them you know as a kid i had chores 
I had um, I had to cut the grass, I had to mow the lawn. I also had to uh, take the trash out. I had certain things that I had to do as a child. Them, they have no, none, no chores at all, mm-hmm. N- nothing. So when I they come- concentrate on other things. Like what? School. Uh, I concentrate on school as well. No, you didn't. You don't concentrate on school. You didn't concentrate on school the same way that they concentrate on school. No, no, I did. I, I had schoolwork and I had to do my schoolwork every day. And cutting the grass was on the weekends and taking out the trash was only two days a week. And it only took 30, 40 minutes. They don't I don't think that they have as much free time as you did when you were a kid. Um. Yeah, they absolutely positively do. No, they they don't they don't have much free time. Yeah, our kids sleep more as kids than I ever did in my life. <laughs> so they do have enough time. But with that being said, is there certain responsibilities that I expect? So when I come home and I see every light on in the house, mm-hmm. that pisses me off. Right. When I come home and see their clothes laying all over the place from uh, the dining room to their bedrooms that pisses me off when i come home and see well, their clothes aren't in the dining room it's in the hallway right outside the dining room right. which is adjacent to the front door so logan might be running out the house for football and he might take off his clothes right there leave it there and throw on his equipment which is in the closet that's in that same spot yeah. which is irresponsible of yeah him. and he always does it and it's it's always a situation and i always have to tell him about it right. even to the point where you know if they have food in their room whether it's fruit roll up uh wrappers or it's food that they brought up the night before whatever it may be the food remains in their room so when i come home and, and, and when i come home after work i look in their room and there's food there there's clothes on the floor none of this stuff is taken care of and this is something that i tell them every day so now when they come home i'm already into discipline mode like hey dad how was your day my day was great why is your room so fucked up (laughs) right why is there food in your in your motherfucking room Mm -hmm. why is the light still on Mm -hmm. you know why 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 right so already i look like the mean guy because i'm pissed off and i should be pissed off you know what I mean? And and yes, I do work hard. I do work a lot and I do provide and they get they have things that I've never had in my life. So when it comes to things like that, I expect them to do the little things. I expect them to take care of the little things to make sure everything is OK, because realistically, the only chores that they have is when we say watch the kids for a little bit. And not for nothing. We have a nanny for six days, six days a week. We have a nanny. Mm-hmm. So they ain't got to watch too much. Right. So that is the reason why I'm such a disciplinary, especially uh, recently, because I see it more and more and more and more. You know, we just I just picked up Logan from football. He walks in the house and I see a trail of dirt and grass, (laughs) which shit happens. Mm hmm. But then he takes his shoes off and then runs upstairs like you just didn't see that motherfucking trail of dirt did, and grass. Did, did he see the, the trail of dirt and grass? Yes, because I told his ass. I said, you just going to walk over that dirt and grass like that? Mm-hmm. You just going to leave that there? You what, you want me to clean it up or your mom to clean it up? Like that, to shit like that bothers the shit out of me. Right. Like now you start thinking like, oh, all right, fuck it, I do what I want to do. No, nah, I don't work like that. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes me not as nice as I should be because I feel like I'm always have to be in discipline mode. Right. And I agree with everything that you're disappointed in. Mm -hmm. I agree that they should always pick up their things. Um, I think that they probably don't as much as they should because they know 
that it will get done. In other words, if they leave it there, that mommy's going to come behind them and pick it up. If I see a pair of sneakers in the hall, I'm going to pick it up yeah, you and should, put no, it away. You shouldn't have to. No, and I agree with you. I agree with you. So that's a change that I need to make. But we do need to have that family meeting. Absolutely. That we talked about because I don't think that we have formally sat down and talked to them about things that we would like for them to change in that type of setting where they are going to take it very seriously. So for instance, if you come home and you bark about something relatively small, yeah, 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 okay, dad, they'll go and take care of it right away. You know, Logan will run upstairs and get that tray of food out of his room. Mm -hmm. Madison will go and, you know, pick up, her sneakers or, you know, her flip flops out of the hallway or whatever, either of them will handle it in that moment. Right. And then it goes away. Right. But I think that if we sit down and have a conversation and transition those isolated incidents into how it's affecting their relationship with you they may be able to see the bigger picture. I hope so. And I think that we need to articulate it in a way where they understand that it's not about these little situations and it's not about you just getting in a moment's worth of trouble when you got home. I hope so. And and see, another thing that bothers me is, you know, like today, you know, I said, yo, go clean up the playroom or the study, whatever you want to call it, where they lounge, the lounge, go clean up the lounge. And they come downstairs. I cleaned up my mess. Madison, I cleaned up my mess. That bothers the shit out of me. Right. And I'm going to tell you why it bothers the shit out of me. When I clean the kitchen, I don't just say, you know what? I'm going to put my cup away. I'm going to leave Madison's cup out and Logan's cup out and Gia's cup out. And I'm just going to clean up my shit. No, I clean up the motherfucking kitchen. So when I tell you, make sure that room is clean, clean everything. Mm -hmm. Not just your cup. Not just Madison's cup. Not just Logan's drink. No, clean the whole fucking room. I don't care if the babies went in there and they left the mess. Clean the shit up. Right. And that's how I feel. And that's that's what pisses me off because I work hard. Mm-hmm. I work hard. So when I come home from working hard and I come and every light is on and I just got an electric bill that's fucking $2,000, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Right. These lights don't have to be on. And it's not something that I haven't complained about. I've complained about it before. So then I feel like now you think I'm a sucker. Now you're taking kindness for weakness. So now I feel like I have to be mean. For you to really understand. And then I feel like, damn, now I'm being my dad. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I feel like that's the only thing that works. Because when I'm nice, it's like, oh, okay, daddy doesn't care. How many times did I complain about the lights and the lights in the bathroom? Times. So it's not the first Too time. Many times. So now when it gets to the point, you know, I really feel like cutting this, the, the circuit breaker where they have no lights in their room. But it's kind of like human nature. Like you're wondering, okay, well, how can that happen? Right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like things that I complain to you about. I complain in small, isolated situations and you remedy it right away. Right. You fix it. You do whatever it is that I'm complaining about. You do the opposite. You make it go away. Right. Then I complain again. You do the same thing. You complain again. I mean, I complain again. You do the same thing. It's not until I take a big step that you take me serious, seriously. It's not until I sit you down 
and we have a long dragged out conversation that you don't want to have. The last thing that you want to do is suffer through one of my long conversations where I'm telling you I'm disappointed in something or I'm expecting a change and it's not changing. That's the last, you know, or until I spite you, which I don't like to do. And that's usually a, a last resort. So, you know, it'll be a situation where I'll take something away that you like. And it can be something as simple as small kindnesses or conversation or time or attention or affection or anything for me to get you to realize I'm serious and I'm upset about something. And I think that's just human nature. I think that's how people oftentimes respond to problems and situations that they're going through. A lot of people don't pay attention or give attention to things unless they have to. And if they don't have to, if they can keep sliding it and pushing it to the side, then they do that because it works. People do what works until it doesn't work anymore. Right. No, I get it. Like, uh, for so instance, I think that we need to show the kids that it doesn't work anymore. Right. Yeah, no, I get it. But but that's what this family talk is going to be after after we finish this podcast, because that is the reason why I have to be that way. Like, for instance, a couple of days ago, you told Logan to make the bed, right? Mm-hmm. Now, this boy makes the bed and leaves the shit on the bed when he makes it. So he leaves his book on the bed. He leaves his laptop, his toys and all his shit on the bed and then puts the covers over the shit. So his bed you looks- You said toys. Well, you know what I mean. Does it have toys? Video it's games. It's video games. Okay. So he puts the, the comforter over all the stuff. So you look at the, you look at the bed and lumps you see- and Lumps and bumps. Lumps and bumps and all types <laughs> right, of shit, right? right? Uh-huh. Now today, now this was what? Three days ago, I heard you say it. Today, you told him to make his bed, right? Mm-hmm. I go in his room- and there's still lumps in the bed after you just told him about it. Mm-hmm. So now, now I feel like you're trying to play me. Now you, now I feel like you're trying to play me. I we just told you about this three days ago. Mm-hmm. So now you just you just don't give a fuck about what I say. So now I gotta be mean. Now I gotta be nasty. Right now, the way that I feel is that there is oh, and you know I say this all the time. There's a way to do things, and every time that you chastise them or you discipline them or you complain about something that you're disappointed in, whether it be the lights or the shoes in the hallway, I agree with you. You are not wrong. You are absolutely right for the things that you would like for them to change. However, I do not think that you should withhold attention or time from them as a result of it. And I know that you don't do it on purpose. I think it just happens naturally because they walk in and just like you said, hey dad, how's your day? Oh, I'm great. How come you didn't do X, Y, and Z? Correct. You're withholding attention at the same time. And I clearly understand how it can happen, but you have to be mindful of it because it's affecting the bond that you have with them. The major problem, see, because the way that you handle it could be okay if we lived a different lifestyle you don't have that much time when you come home. When you come home, you have a certain number of hours before you have to get up and go back out to work. So if their interaction with you is a negative one and then you're spending the rest of the time with me or we're eating as a family or whatever it is, that time that you took away from them, that attention that you took away from them isn't being replenished. Right. So you're taking out of the bank, but you're not depositing back into the bank. Right. So it's withdrawal after withdrawal after withdrawal. Now they know that you love them. They know that 
you care about them. They know that, you know, you would give your right arm for them. Knowing that is one thing, but feeling it. I can tell you I love you all day long, but if I don't feel it because there's something in the way, then there's a problem. Right. See, but, you know, I guess you're right, but I'm from the old school, right? And when I say old school, I hate saying that. My dad, right? If I left the lights on and my dad told me, turn the lights off and I didn't do it maybe once, he'd remind, he'd tell me again. Second time, he'd tell me again. The third time, when I went in my room and I went to click the light switch on, there would be no fucking lights. He would take all the fucking light bulbs out. The, the room would be dark. Mm-hmm. If my dad told me to make the bed and I didn't make them make make the bed the first day, he would remind me, tell me, make the bed. The second day I didn't make the bed, There'd be no mattress. There'll be no mattress in that motherfucking house. <laughs> he could call me. I can get him a mattress. You stupid. You're stupid. You're stupid. You're stupid. But mine would move. You stupid. But it cost him ten thousand dollars. Yeah, he ain't buying that mattress. But uh-huh. but I would get it uh-huh. because I wouldn't want. I I knew I knew how my dad was, and I knew. Damn, before I went to school, I better turn that light off. But let me ask you a question. I better write a note on that door to remember to turn that light off. here's the difference. Your dad was home for dinner every night just about, wasn't he? Yes. Exactly. You know, he had time to replenish the things that he might have taken away from you during disciplining you. Okay. And that's the problem. You don't have time to make nice nice after you already made mean mean. Do you understand? I got what you're saying. So... You have to, as an adult, as a parent, it's your job to identify the flaws in how you parent or how you move. As a responsible parent, you make changes to that. You have to micromanage yourself and say, okay, this is what works and this is what doesn't work, you know? And this is one of those things. I didn't really see it coming. When we had that conversation, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, we have fun. We talk. We laugh. And she was my Madison was like, well, we do that all as a family, you know? So, you know, when we're as a family, you know, we feel that love and we feel that bond and we mm-hmm. feel everything because you're there. Right. You know, like, basically, I think she was saying, like, basically, you compensate or, you know, when you're there, daddy has the time because a lot of your time does go to me individually. Correct. But uh, what they are talking about very, very, very specifically is you and them. Okay. Individually. All right. Well, we'll have some some family conversation after this podcast. Can I throw something out there? Sure. I don't even know if it would work because of our mic situation. Why don't we invite them in? No, nah, it's not going to work. Why? Mike's all fucked up. Because we got to hold the mic a certain way because I left the pieces in Virginia. So it would be staticky. We couldn't do it this week. Hmm. Well, maybe we should hold a conversation off for next week. All right. And, and do it live on air? And do it on air. Okay. We can do that. What do you think about that? I think we can do that. We can do that. I think that would be good because I'm sure that there are other families that probably have their own difficulties or struggles when it comes to parenting Mm -hmm. and maybe the conversation might be beneficial because it may open their eyes to things that may be going on under their own roof okay do you know what i mean yeah yeah, as opposed to us just talking about it and coming back and reporting it you know and there's nothing negative this is a relatively small problem and it's very very fixable but i think that it can I don't think that anything that 
could take place in the conversation could be to the kid's detriment. I think that it can only be helpful for us and helpful for anybody else listening. Okay. So do we hold off the conversation till next week all together? I mean, I'm good with that anyway. I'm tired as a motherfucker. I could take a quick, I could take a nap. Of course you can take a nap. I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. You know what? I want to, I'm so beat right now. Mm -hmm. Like, I really want you to put the Halloween, hold on. Excuse me. God bless you. I really want, thank you. I really want you to put the Halloween costume back on. So I can fuck you in the Halloween costume. Where the, where the hell did that just come from? It just popped up in my mind. You just said we went from disciplining the kids to you being tired to me dressing up <laughs> for you so you can behave badly. Like what the hell? Like how did that just happen? I'm just thinking about that. Okay. And um, but I'm tired. So, but I just want to just fuck you like five good strokes and then just go to sleep. Just forget about me, right? I know that's that's. Did you do you even understand what you just said and how you said? No, I know, but I'm tired. I need to get a little sleep. So yeah. that means you don't need to get a little. Not off. Exactly. That sucks. I mean, yeah, no, yeah, this it's definitely a reciprocal type of thing. Like there's no Just kiss the tip. <laughs> <laughs> Just kiss the tip. My goodness. Uh, you sound tired right now. I'm tired like a motherfucker. What just happened? No, I'm tired. You just went into sex and like your voice got low. I'm tired. You look very handsome right now, by the way. That's what I'm talking about. I might not let you skate. With just five strokes. Kiss the tip. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to the email of the week. Uh-huh. All right. Now, um, all right, this is, uh, let me see. Read it. Here it goes. Hi, Envy and Gia. I'm a student at Rutgers, New Brunswick, and my boyfriend, Jay, also listens, and he plays football at Wagner College in New York. We just started listening to your podcast and love it. DJ Envy, you're so funny, and Gia, you is so rational, well-spoken, and down-to-earth. Mm-hmm. My boyfriend and I have been together since we were 16, and we're both 21 now. Uh, I'm a nursing major and coach volleyball, and he's pre-med on track to be an orthopedic surgeon and plays college football. No mistaking their identity, huh? Right. <laughs> Our schedules are stupid busy. We get to see each other at least once or twice a week. Long term, we want to be together, get married, have a family. But we're applying to grad med schools and can't forget out how to go about this. Can't figure out, right? Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. what I said. Forget. Oh, yeah. She meant can't figure out how to go about this. Now, we don't want to be apart and kind of are interested in going uh, out of state together. But we also don't know how to choose what schools to apply to, get accepted and how to start our lives in a mature way, especially financially. Luckily, he's full scholarship and I pay out of pocket and we will have no debt from undergrad. Um, let me see. How do you recommend we start the right way? So many relationships fail because of finances and we definitely don't want this to happen to us. Love you both so much. I hope you have another live event on Valentine's day again this year on our bucket list for date nights. So I guess their question is, you know, how to start early the relationship early. And the reason I wanted to do this, this, uh, email is because we get tons of emails is, you know, a lot of times we speak to people that have been in relationships that are married, that are a little older. They remind us of how we were in college and trying to figure things out. And we really didn't know what to do. So if we could put them on the right plan or the right path of what to do, what would you suggest? Um, Well, she talked about applying to grad schools Mm -hmm. and wanting to be together, et cetera. 
It really depends on how serious they are about one another. She said that they'd been together since they were 16 mm-hmm. and now they're 21. 21. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's five years. Right. That tells me that they're very, very serious. And if they plan on starting a future together, getting married, having children, and really looking that far down the line, then to me, it's important to be close, within close proximity of one another for grad school. I am not a big fan of long distance relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, They can work. Of course they can work, but... I believe that there's a lot of suffering that goes along to maintain it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of temptation. There's a lot of loneliness. And those are just, to me, years that you can spend being happy as opposed to being lonely and sometimes miserable. Yes, there's FaceTime. Yes, there's Skype. Yes, there's the occasional weekend visit. Yes, we can talk on the phone. But there's nothing like having a warm body laying next to you in the bed. Correct. You know, there's nothing like having someone that you can talk to face to face when you have a problem or that you can go out with every weekend and, you know, sometimes during the week and have fun with and laugh in person. Um, And that's not to discredit long distance relationships. Like I said, I know that they can work and, you know, you can figure out a way to get through it until you can be together, et cetera. But With them both having a choice Mm -hmm. and if their relationship is paramount to them and of the utmost importance, I would try, if possible, to figure out a way that we can be somewhat near, maybe within two or three hours Mm -hmm. of one another. You know, for instance, like if one is in New York and the other one's in D.C. Gotcha. You know, or something like that where... You can get to the person. You can still see that person at least once a week. Something that's reasonable. But at the same time, you throw it on the scale. What's on the other side? Going to the school that is for your best educational purposes. Okay. Right? So if I get accepted to UCLA grad school Mm -hmm. and that's the best school for what I want to do, then do you prioritize your relationship over getting the best education that you can because maybe the school in D.C. is inferior to the one in L.A.? Right. You know, you really have to throw it on a scale and see what is the most important to you. Mm. And then you come up with that first. What comes next? Let's say that they make it out of grad school and... Maybe she they, she said that for undergrad, they had no debt. Right. They, well, they'll have no debt. No debt, right. So let's say it's the same for grad school or they have small debt. When you start out in the world, finances and credit are so important. Correct. And the better footing that you start on, the better your future is going to be. Because there's nothing like having that monkey on your back, meaning bills, credit problems, Mm -hmm. overextending yourself and things of that nature. A lot of people, you know what um, I hear about a lot? Weddings. Mm -hmm. You know, we all, well, not all, 
But a lot of females want to have like that dream wedding. Correct. You know, you want the bells, the whistles, the dress, the flowers, the bridesmaids, the menu, the this, the, the venue. Oh, forget about it. The venue. And all of those things cost a lot of money. So I've been asked many times, what do I think about that? Mm-hmm. Do I think that an extravagant wedding is worth it? Right. And I, you know, I'm a little... I straddle the fence because I was one of those girls. I wanted the big and beautiful wedding. Right. And we had the big and beautiful wedding, Mm -hmm. but that comes with a cost. Correct. And that's money that can be put into your first home. Right. And several other expenses that it, that it costs to start out in the world as a new fresh married couple. Mm -hmm. So, You know, and weddings, an extravagant wedding to one person can be different than an extravagant wedding to another person. To some people, a $30,000 wedding can be their version of extravagant. To other people, a million dollar wedding can be their version of extravagant. But whatever extravagant is for you and your budget, that money could also be put towards something that other people might consider more important. You have to decide what's important to you. Correct. How important will those memories, that picture, that day be to you? There's no answer. There's no clear cut answer. Um, For me, it was very important. And I'm able to look back at our wedding and say, wow, that's a day that was so special and that everybody enjoyed and it was executed so perfectly and beautifully. And that brings me joy. So for me, it was worth it. But at the same time, I absolutely understand and respect someone that has a J.O.P. wedding and then has maybe a dinner to celebrate after with their closest family and friends. And is that day any less special because you didn't have all of the pomp and circumstance? No, it's not. So I think that that needs to be figured out. Those are things that they need to discuss. And then I would say save, 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 save in the very beginning so that you can get started, meaning to get your house. I'm not really one that is for renting. Mm -hmm. I just feel as though you spend every month and that money disappears. Mm -hmm. It doesn't amount to anything. Yes, you get something for the money that you spend. You have a warm place to lay your head, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't amount to anything. So me, I encourage all young people to concentrate on their credit and on becoming home owners. Wherever you live, I think that your goal should be to own it. Are you going to come out of grad school and automatically be able to buy a home? Probably not. You can rent something very, very affordable and you figure out your budget. This is what I'm spending on rent. This is my disposable income. And this is what I'm saving. And this is what I'm saving for. I'm saving so I can have X amount of dollars as a down payment so that I can buy my house. And in the interim, I'm working on my credit to make sure that my credit can support that choice. Right. That's how I feel you start out. Because once you have no debt and your credit's good and you're a homeowner, then you can build upon that. And at that point, that's when you can start spoiling yourself a little bit. That's when, you know, you can start worrying about 
the nice shoes, the nice car, the nice handbag, very luxurious dinners. Aside from that, I think that those things should be treats. Right. Um, I agree. To, I agree with you to a certain extent. Um, I do think it depends on what you want to be, meaning what your major is and what you what you want as your profession. And the reason I feel that way is because, I mean, we were both pretty much in communications. Mm-hmm. And for a communications job, I don't think it really matters what school you go to. Mm-hmm. I think it more matters your internship and what you do outside of school. Right. But for something like pre-med, I think it matters. It absolutely matters. You know, I think it, it you know, whether you have to do a residency in, in a hospital or you want to work at a doctor's office, they look at where you went to school. Mm-hmm. So I think for that, you have to really be, you know, you have to really look at what school or what college you want to go to. It's not a matter like me and you can go to you went to Old Dominion. I went to Hampton. It really didn't matter what schools we went to. Yours was a division one. Mine was a division one. They were both good schools, you know, both good for communications. But now if you were a pre-med major, I would not advise you, even though we were dating and close and I wouldn't advise you to go to Old Dominion because I don't know if Old Dominion has a pre-med that's super duper great, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, if and, and if you wanted to be a pre-med major and let's say the school for you was in Florida, even though I don't really necessarily believe in long distance relationships, I would encourage you to go to school in Florida because I want you to get the best education and have that best first step forward in front of everybody else, you know? Well, see, that's that would have been, for us, it would have been different. Coming out of high school, our relationship could not have been strong enough, even if we were more in love than love itself. It could not have been strong enough to dictate what college I went to if I had strong convictions about what I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. For me, I knew I wanted to go into communications, so I could have gone just about anywhere. Correct. But I had a communications right. But for them, mm-hmm. but for them, as they're coming out of college now, mm-hmm. it's a completely different situation. Right, and 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 that's what I do. I, I would I would try to get things close because I you know I think being close to each other, it's a better situation. Um, I think you really get to learn people. And if, if that's who you really want to be with and things are going great, you guys because, respect each other. Theirs isn't just a frivolous right. relationship. I, I you would know, try if, to if stick she, it out close with each other. If they said, oh, we've been together for six months, but I see so much potential. I'd be like, Nyeh. right. Go where. Right. Is offering you the best education, right? But at, but That's five years and more, five years, and, and I think that you guys a future. Right. It's a different situation, right? So I would have to agree and say that I would stay close and and I would start planning. Like you said, that's one thing I think people don't do. They don't look for the future. They just start and just okay. We're gonna do this. We're gonna no build together, mm-hmm. build your credit together, build your finances together, so you know where you are in the future. And I love the fact that you said you want to come to one of our live show on a bucket list, but do that <laughs> as well. You know, write things down. And this year, I want to save this much and put this much towards that. I want to make sure my credit is here and build credit, my credit, credit this credit, way. Credit, credit, I want to make credit, sure I have credit. no bills here. I want to make sure this and start setting it up. I want to have my first child at this age and get married here. So you have that and you know what you want to do so Mm -hmm. your situation is planned now shit does happen you know hey you might have sex and he busts off and you might get pregnant tomorrow but awesome you want to plan out for what you think that you can do i love the way you put things you know what i mean 
Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I talk like I talk to you guys. Yeah, and kids. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. But I hope that, you don't talk to your kids about busting off. But no, I don't say right, that. I let you ahead. handle that conversation. <laughs> but you know, I, I wish them the best of luck, and I think that if they plan things out and they stay close, I think it'll work out. And you know, keep us informed of, of what's going on and what's happening, and we definitely, definitely will uh, get you back. Yes. All right. Now, um, before we get up out of here, I just want to do one thing. Somebody hit you and um, he has a scar on his face and he was he hit me or he sent an email. He sent an email. Oh, OK. And he has a scar on his face and he was saying that um, he wanted to know about plastic surgery, what surgery that, that, that you got on your face. And and I just wanted to explain because he was very hurt and he was mad that you didn't respond. And uh, like, you know, I, well, how come, why didn't you read it? I'm, well, I'm telling you about it now, but I wanted to tell him because he listens to every podcast that we get a lot of emails and we try to respond a lot. And sometimes we definitely can't. And I, I seen your email today. And if you don't know, if you just if this is the first podcast you're listening to at, you know, at a young age, Gia got slashed in her face. Uh, some girls tried to jump her and slashed her face. And, you know, she got uh, what, what, what kind of surgery was it done? Is it a particular surgery? Um, no, just a, 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 like it was her face keloided and they had to cut the keloid off and put the, and put it back together. But the reason I'm telling you that is it doesn't matter about the scar on your face. Gia has a scar on her face. She has a scar on her leg from this, from the, um, the slashing. Don't worry about the scar on your face. Cause he was very concerned well, about the scar on me. his face. What did, you, what, what did he say? He, you could tell that he was very insecure about the scar on his How face. How old was he? Could you, did you get an idea? Um, the picture looked like he was in his twenties, well, early twenties. He 20s. sent a picture. Well, you know, he had a, a a profile as well. And what happened? He I, he didn't explain what happened at all. He didn't mm, say what happened. No, he just basically said he had a scar on his face, and you could tell he was insecure. And I just wanted oh. to tell you, bro, it doesn't matter about that scar on your face. Like it's your confidence. It's how you feel about yourself which attracts people to you. And no disrespect to anybody, I'm about to say this. You know, you you know you you talk about Big and Big was was fat and he was overweight, but he had the confidence that he was so secure and so fly that he attracted people to him and that's what you have to be regardless of your face regardless of uh what happened you have to have confidence to say i don't give a fuck about that scar like i'm still fly like that's how you have to have as your mentality and once you have that mentality that mentality will be contagious and people will start looking at you the same way yes um what i realized is that even before I had the surgery to remove the scar, the way that I carried myself and the way that I interacted pe- interacted with people almost caused them to not even notice that it was there. And at that time, it was more noticeable than it is now, right. clearly. And I think that people looked past it because they saw me. They didn't concentrate on the scar. And I realized that when people would look at me, they would look at me in the eye and their eyes weren't drifting off to the side of my face anymore. A scar is cosmetic. A scar is something that people see when they look at you, but who you are as a person is so much more than that. 
beauty is so superficial. Looks and, you know, certain forms of attractiveness are so superficial and unimportant. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. I was almost grateful that that happened to me because I learned that lesson very early and it created a thicker skin that I'm so happy that I have. Every day I feel as though I'm using that thick skin and it could just be, it could be a small situation, but I can, if I have to stop and say, well, wow, where did this part of my personality come from? I know that it came from that. I can track it back to that. And the positive part about it is that I've learned to not care about what people think about me. I've learned to care about, not care about what people say about me. It's as though the only time that I care about what people say or think is when I know that I brought it upon myself. Mm -hmm. If I feel that I'm deserving of negative criticism, that's when I care. Right. If I know that I've said something or done something to hurt someone's feelings or to dampen someone's day, or if I know that I made a bad decision, then I care if I'm being judged as a result of it. But if if someone comments on, say, a flaw or something negative about my appearance, for instance, my response in my mind even, and even if I don't say it, but the way that I feel is, well, it is what it is. Right. You know, like if I had one fit foot that was bigger than the other and I had to wear a size nine on one size and a size six on the other, I'd just be like, Psh, it is what it is. God wanted one foot to be bigger than the other. Right. And that's it. You know, and I look at my scar as God wanted me to have that scar. He wanted me to go through that experience for some reason or another. And the reason I may or may not ever see, in my case, I feel as though I did, but when I experience other misfortunes, the way that I look at it is, you know, I may never really know why I'm experiencing this. Mm -hmm. It may set into effect a chain reaction of events that along the way benefits someone. And that's the reason why I'm going through what I'm going through. Maybe I'll learn something from that situation that I can share with someone else. You have that scar on your face because of a reason. It may be revealed to you at some point. It may not, but understand that it's there for a reason and it's part of your beauty. I always looked at my scar and my experience as character. Right. You know, I learned something from it. I became a different person because of it. And that's how you need to look at your experience. And I know it might not be easy for you to understand, but you need to look at it as beautiful. When you look in the mirror, you need to see beauty because that's you. Right. You know, it's yours. You have to own it. And you have to, as Rashawn said earlier, carry that confidence along with you every day. And you need to show that confidence. And the more confidence that you show, the less people will notice it. Absolutely. Well, good luck, bro. And, and keep us uh, updated as well. And, and let us know what's going on with you and how you're feeling and everything. Hopefully that helped you out. 
And everybody else, man, we appreciate you for listening each and every week. And next week will be the family conversation. Should be a lot of fun. Are we going to start the the podcast with it? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Are we going to tell them beforehand? No. We're just going to surprise them? Yep. Bring your ass down here. Let's have a conversation. All right. Just make sure our mics aren't bleeped up. No, no. I'm going to fix the mics. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. I'm DJ Envy. And I am Gia Casey. And that was another edition of the Casey Crew. Toodles. Toodles.